Hey, um, are any of you having a hard time figuring out what is true? I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm not certain about some things. I'm not certain whether wearing a mask is, is super highly effective or if they don't really do all that much to prevent the spread of disease. I'm not sure exactly how COVID-19 spreads and what the actual effects are for each person. I'm not sure whether the past four years have been the best our nation has ever seen when it comes to the economy, foreign policy, the handling of a pandemic, or if it's the worst this nation has ever experienced. I'm not sure if the latest shooting of someone by a police officer was justified or if it was homicide. I mean, I hear the facts. I hear the facts from one side, but then I hear facts from the other side stating the exact opposite thing. And so I readily admit that I am having a hard time distinguishing between truth and propaganda. Anyone else feel me? <laughs> it is a hard time to be alive. Well, we're in the ninth week of a, of a series called Your Ten Greatest Challenges, where we've been taking a closer look at the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. And these commandments, they... they they establish a framework for our relationship with God and with one another, and they are a reflection of the nature and character of God. And so in this series, what we're doing is we're trying to not just look at the letter of the law, but really get down to the spirit of each of these laws. And today we come to the ninth commandment. So let's read it together out loud from Exodus 20:16. It says this, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Now, when you read this commandment, it uses that word testimony in it, and it makes you think about legal proceedings, doesn't it? And in one sense, that is exactly what we're talking about. When, when God gave his command, uh, they didn't have forensics, they didn't have DNA evidence, they didn't have hidden cameras or CSIs. Truth and justice would rise and fall on eyewitness testimony and credibility. For there to be justice in a society, there has to be credibility in the testimony. And although we have many more tools at our disposal today, we still rely heavily on eyewitness testimony in the court of law. This is why we swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. But this commandment is not at all limited to legal proceedings. There's an old Jewish story told of this rabbi who lived in a small town, and he was a man of integrity, a man of good character. He served his community well for many, many years. He was, he was honest, he was hardworking, he was well-respected. But one day, a new resident came into the community. And for reasons unknown to the rabbi, this new resident began to say very untruthful, horrible things about the rabbi, undermining his credibility and his reputation. Well, this led to a lot of speculation, a lot of division within the community. Some people, they believed all of the negative things that were being said about him. Others began to be suspicious about him. They weren't sure what to believe. And these lies, they really devastated the rabbi. Well, this went on for some time, but eventually uh, the man who had been spreading these lies about the rabbi actually met with the rabbi and basically told him that he felt just awful. He felt awful about the lies he had been saying. And he basically told him he had regretted all these things that he had said, all the lies he had spread about him. He regretted the words he had said and he wanted to make it up to the rabbi. And so he asked this rabbi, he said, what can I do to make things right? The rabbi told him, well, I want you to go home. I want you to take your pillow off of your bed and I want you to go outside on a windy day and I want you to tear open your pillow and scatter the feathers into the wind. So the man went and, and, and did just that. And when he returned, he said to the rabbi, I did what you asked me to do. Is there anything else I can do for you? And the rabbi said, yes. 
I want you to go home, take your pillowcase, go back out, and collect every single feather. The man said, but that's impossible. The rabbi said, that's exactly my point. Today we're talking about giving false testimony against your neighbor, lying about someone. Once we release a lie, we can never fully regain the truth, can we? It's like blowing feathers into the wind, releasing feathers into the wind. To some degree, it always lives on. And we harm someone that that we were supposed to love. And as we will see today, our lives are filled with opportunities to violate this ninth commandment. Our lives are filled with opportunities to give false testimony, to bear false witness, to say things that are not entirely truthful. We break this command when we give testimony to something that did not, in fact, happen the way that we reported it to happen. And we violate this command, again, by lying, by not being truthful. So throughout the series, what we've done is we've, we've taken each commandment and then we've issued a challenge, a corresponding challenge to go with that commandment. And the challenge today is a challenge with truth. And the challenge is to always be honest. I know this sounds like a preschool lesson, doesn't it? <laughs> always be honest. That sounds so, so something we should know already, but, but we struggle with this, don't we? Now, when the Ten Commandments were given to the ancient Israelites, uh, they, they had just left a life of oppressive slavery in Egypt. And the Egyptian world was very pagan. Lying and cheating would have been commonplace there. Similarly, in our, in our secular world, it seems as though everyone is just lying and cheating to get ahead or take advantage of someone else. And if there's no God, as some people claim, then, then why not? Then why not lie to get ahead? But then the the one true God, he rescued his people from slavery and he reminded them of his rule and reign over them and his care for them and he let them know that he is the only God and that he is a God of truth and that they should be people of truth. And that's been a consistent theme, a consistent command presented to the believers throughout all of history that we are to be people of truth. You know, sometimes there's these... um, People who like to ask these crazy hypothetical questions like, well, if God can do anything, then can he create a rock that he cannot pick up? And it's such an obnoxious question, I know. But uh, what they're doing is they're trying to make you believe that, that believing in God is absurd. Or they're trying to uh, make you doubt in your mind that God can do anything. They're trying to show you that there are things that are impossible for God to do. And though we might want to argue back, Actually, Scripture is, is, is clear that there's something that's impossible for God to do. In Hebrews chapter uh, 6, we catch this little phrase in the middle of a conversation about God's covenant with Abraham and, and how he's faithful to his promises. In verse 18, it says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. Titus 1-2, uh, Paul points out that God does not lie. Some translations say that God cannot lie. It is impossible for God to lie. He is always honest. It is in God's character. It's his very nature to be truthful, to not lie. And that's consistent in in the triune God. In John 16, 13, we read that the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, so I may struggle with, with trying to figure out what is true and what is a lie when it, when it pertains to our current political climate. But I am certain that where God has spoken, it is true. We serve a God who is always honest. So let me ask you, what are some things that you just hate? 
Like, think about that. If you were to make a list, what are some things that you just hate? Things that just drive you nuts. Like, like, like I hate when people use an emery board in front of me. I just hate it. I don't know why. It's those awful nail file things, They're, they just make me cringe. I remember when Olivia, my oldest daughter, was a, a toddler, and she, whoo, <laughs> she put one in her mouth and put her teeth on it. And I, <laughs> I had to get Sarah to take care of it. I'm like, I just can't handle it. It made me cringe, right? <laughs> my, my daughters know this about me, and so every once in a while, they like to mess with me, and they'll come up behind me, and they'll take an emery board and touch my head with it. And then I punish them for months. <laughs> it is not funny. <laughs> so, so if I made a list of things that I just hate, I hate emery boards. I hate the way... Is this going in and out? Sorry. I hate... I hate because this is important here. I hate how some people eat, eat bananas. It's disgusting. <laughs> I, not really. It's, you know that. All right. <laughs> On a more serious note, I, I, I hate arrogance. I hate racism. I hate bullying. And I could just give you a list. When Proverbs chapter 6, we read a, a list that God has made. Six things that God hates. Seven that are detestable to him. And the second thing on that list is a lying tongue. A lying tongue. God hates. That's the word that's used. God hates lying. Lying is the complete opposite of God's character. And it's not just an offense to the person that we're lying to or lying about, but it is a, an offense to the God who made that person. In Proverbs 19.5, we read that a false witness will not go unpunished, and whoever pours out lies will not go free. Now, maybe you've never perjured yourself in the court of law. I would hope not. But all of us have lied at some level or another. So this morning, I want to make two statements to, to really help us overcome this challenge with truth in your life. And the first statement is this, that the road of deception is a broad road that leads to destruction. The road of deception, it is a broad road and it leads to destruction. Meaning this, that there are, there are many who will believe and follow lies. Many people will believe and follow lies, lies and that those lies will lead to destruction. And we need to be very aware of this. We don't want you to be so naive to think that this couldn't happen to you, that this couldn't happen to me. And because this is really the story of humanity, right? We, we, we have bought into a great lie. And it's the same lie that the devil used and told Adam and Eve when they were in the garden. And he told them that they didn't need God, they didn't have to listen to God. And so this, this story ends in Revelation 21.8. So we read about it in Genesis, these lies. Revelation 21.8 kind of bookends it saying, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So first death, by the way, is literal physical bodily death. Second death is eternal separation from God in hell. So the beginning of the Bible and the end of the Bible re remind us of, of the deceit and the lies and the result of these deceits and lies. But in the middle of that story is God incarnate, God in human flesh who came as the truth, Jesus. But why is it we lie then? Well, we know why, don't we? Right? We, we, we lie for the most part to protect ourselves, usually in a prideful way or always in a prideful way. And, and to promote ourselves also in a prideful way. To protect ourselves and to promote ourselves is why we mostly lie. The heart of lying is about self-preservation and self-promotion. It's about self. We're more dedicated to ourselves than we are to the truth. 
Our lives have moved from being God-centered to being me-centered. And so when we lie, what we're basically saying is that this lie will benefit me at your expense. And I'm okay with that because I'm more important than you. That's what we're essentially saying when we lie. But our challenge is to always be honest in every way. Even when it hurts our side, even when it hurts our cause, even when it promotes someone else other than ourselves. Telling the truth is always the right thing to do. But it's not always easy to do, is it? In John chapter 8, Jesus accused the religious leaders of his day of following in the deceptive ways of Satan. Listen to these strong words, starting in verse 44. He says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, you know what he's doing? He's speaking his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So in contrast to God always being truthful is Satan, who is a liar. His native tongue, his first language, his impulse is to lie. There is no truth in him. In God, we have one who cannot lie. In Satan, we have one who cannot tell the whole truth. And Jesus called the devil the father of lies. Why? Because he is the epitome of selfishness. His whole desire is to deceive When he decided to rebel against God, his creator, and our creator, it was because he wanted the glory that only belonged to God. So he lied to Adam and Eve about what God had said to them in the garden. He said, well, did God really say that? Knowing the truth, but questioning the truth. And then he went straight into an out-and-out lie. He said, you won't die if you eat that fruit. Satan was just speaking his native language. He undermines the truth and wants us to question the truth. The Bible has some strong words, though, for those who make it their way to to lie and hide the truth. In Psalm 59, David described his enemies like this. He said, For the sins of their mouths, for the words of their lips, let them be caught in their pride. For the curses and the lies they utter, consume them in your wrath. Consume them till they are no more. Then it will be known to the ends of the earth that God rules over Jacob. Again, the Bible has a lot of strong words against liars. And I would say that most of us, we wouldn't lump ourselves into that category. Like we want to we think of ourselves as honest people. But here are some ways that you and I may be challenged with telling the truth. One way is through flattery. Now look, I, I don't think you all need to hear about this one because you all are the best. You are, you are the brightest, you are the best looking, you are the most honest people. Uh, there are no better people in this world than the people here in this room. Actually, I really think that you guys are awesome, but <laughs> uh, flattery is a form of lying. Now understand there's a difference between flattery and encouragement. We, we ought to be encouraging, but with flattery, there's a motive, isn't there? There's a motive. Uh, We use flattery as a means to promote ourselves in the eyes of the one we are flattering. In Romans 16, verses 17 through 19, the Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. He says, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. That's their motive. They're serving their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, They deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Well, what else? We give false testimony through exaggeration. 
through exaggeration, when we embellish, when we stretch the truth to protect ourselves or to promote ourselves or to get sympathy, let's call it what it is. It is lying. We overstate something that had happened to get us more attention for ourselves. We also violate this command through gossip. When we start rumors or spread lies about someone else, it is wrong, plain and simple. Now, of course, it doesn't count when we spread falsehood about the politician that we're not going to be voting for, right? Nope. Still a violation of this commandment. Remember, not, not only does God love me, not only am I fearfully and wonderfully created in the image of God, not only did Jesus die for my sins, but the same is true for the person you are trying to tear down. Same is true for the person who backstabbed you. The same is true for the person who is up for the same promotion as you are at work. Gossip is a form of lying. Another way, and this is not an all-encompassing list, by the way, but another way we disobey the ninth commandment is through deceit. So lying is, is saying or, or, or typing, I'll just say communicating. Lying is communicate, is not just communicating what is untrue, but it is also not communicating what is all true. We, we leave out parts, right? We live, leave out parts that would make us look bad or prevent us from getting what we want. I was listening to a sermon recently and the pastor was talking about how when he was younger, uh, his, his parents told him to clean his room. And so later that day, he wanted to go out and play with one of his friends and his mom asked him, he said, can I go out and play? And his mom asked him, well, have you cleaned your room? And his answer was so clever, <laughs> so deceitful. She said, is your room clean? I'm sorry. And his answer was, it should be. <laughs> it should be. So she let him go. Well, when he came home, his dad said, you lied to us. You told us you cleaned your room, but it, it, it was not clean. And he said, I never lied to you. I told you my room should be clean. And that is very true. My room should be clean, but it is not. <laughs> Deception tells part of the truth, but not the whole truth. It is, it's intended to misdirect, right? It's intended to misdirect someone else. And it breaks this commandment. Several times in scripture, we're told to not be deceived, to not be deceived. So we shouldn't deceive others, but as people who serve a God of truth, we should be truth seekers. So we need to be careful that we aren't being deceived. Our challenge is to always be honest, and that means we need to seek truth and be careful not to buy into lies. So I feel like if I haven't already yet, I'm going to step on some toes here, so be ready. But I want you to be real honest with yourself. Recently, we've had several shootings by police on people of color. When it happened, were you trying to find stories that told you the best narratives about the person who was shot and stories that would find some dirt on the cop? Or maybe on the inside, you were secretly hoping you would find out how shady the person was that was shot and find stories that would talk about how wonderful the cop was. My question and I know it's so difficult in our age of biased news, but were you actually wanting to know the truth about what happened? Or were you looking for what you wanted to be true? Let me ask you this question. If we're, if we're to be people of truth, would you be willing to call out the lies of a politician of your political party? Or do you only call out the lies of the opposing party? And I realize if we called out all the lies, we'd, that's all we'd be doing. I know, I know, it's sad. But seriously, do we really care about truth? 
Or are we allowing ourselves to be deceived because we want a narrative to be true? Here's the truth about truth. We often shy away from the truth because the truth doesn't always put us in the best light. The truth has, has a way, like light, of exposing us. And we all know that, the, that, that some of the truth about ourselves, it's, it's an ugly truth. But if we don't let the truth expose us, then we enslave ourselves to darkness. Jesus said in John 8, 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The road of deception is a broad road that leads to destruction and many will go through it. But there's an escape for us. There's truth. And here's the truth that Jesus came to set us free. And so that leads me to the other statement I want to make to help us overcome this challenge with truth. And this statement comes with four other statements. And you thought I was almost done. (laughs) Silly. So the second statement is there are four aspects of living in the truth. And all four of these are listed in in two verses in John 8. We already read one of those verses. But let's look at it again. John 8, 31 to 32. There's four statements. There's four, four aspects of living in the truth from this. It says, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, then you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so we see that there's a progression of living in the truth and not living in deception. And the first step is believe. Believe. Jesus was talking to people who actually already believed him. But, but that's the first part, part for us. Did I just say fart? I'm really sorry. <laughs> My mom would whoop me for that. <laughs> that's the first part for us. We have to believe the truth. We have to believe in Jesus. We, we have to believe Jesus. And there are far too many so-called Christians who say they believe in Jesus, but don't, they don't really believe Jesus. You know how I know that? Because the second thing is obedience. First we believe and secondly we obey. Like what good is it if you believe in Jesus but you don't demonstrate it by obeying Jesus? He told them, if you hold to my teaching, that means they were living obediently, holding to his teachings. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commands. If we are going to live in the truth, we can't just simply believe something in our heads It must come out in our actions. We obey it. And third, we know. We know it to be true. Look at the the, uh, wording of the progression of these verses again. They already believed. That's the first step. And then Jesus said, hold to my teaching, which is obedience. And then you will know the truth. So if you've ever been in a car accident and you were wearing your seatbelt, you may have believed in seatbelts. But because you you obeyed wearing a seatbelt, And maybe you only did that because it was the law. But now you are a firm believer in wearing a seatbelt because you know it saved your life. You see that progression? Believe, obey, and really know, really understand. We we talked about this just a little bit last week when we were talking about the command not to steal. When it comes to giving, I believed the Bible when it says that, that, that it's more blessed to give than receive. But because I've been putting that into practice for years, I'm a firm believer. I know it to be true because of my obedience to it. it, I've seen the proof. The more you practice obeying God's word as truth in your life, the more you will know, the more you will truly understand that God's word is the only real truth in your life. And then fourthly, we see that, that we are released. We are released from deception. The truth sets us free, it says. Jesus is the truth. 
Jesus said in Luke 4.18, that the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So in short, to overcome our challenge with truth, we we have to come to Jesus. He, He came as the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to be set free from any and all lies that you and I are believing and living out. One of my favorite descriptions of Jesus is found in John chapter 1. We we see that he's called the Word in this passage. And here's what it says in verse 14, that the Word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. And here's the description I love. He came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. I love that. Not, Not the balance between grace and truth, but the full embodiment of grace and truth. Jesus did not come to to, to strike a balance between grace and truth. He brought the full measure of both. He came to bring the truth to expose us, but he also brought grace to cover us. Truth to expose us, grace to cover us. So we want to challenge you to come out of the darkness, come into the light, come into the truth through Jesus. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Don't lie. Always be honest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that that it is impossible for you to lie. And that brings us so much hope and confidence because of the promises we also read in Scripture. The promise that through Jesus, we can have our sins forgiven. The promise that through Jesus, we can have eternal life spent with you in heaven the promise that you are always with us. And so God, we we are so thankful that you are a God of truth. Forgive us when we walk that broad road of destruction filled with lies and deceit. Forgive us when we are, are not truth seekers. We're trying to come up with facts that'll, that'll uh, only make our story, our side look good. Forgive us when we, our, our lips and our, our fingers when we type are filled with lies, exaggeration and flattery and gossip and deceit. God, when we do that, we are, we are following in the way of Satan, who is the father of lies. But in you is no lie. In you is truth. So God, may we turn from our lies, our deceitful ways, May we turn to you and follow you and be set free from that deceit. Be set free from that bondage of lies. Thank you for the hope that we have. And it's only found through Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. It's in his name I pray. Amen. So this morning, if you have a response to make, we we want to be people who follow the truth and the The way you follow the truth is starting by following Jesus. If you've never submitted yourself to the Lordship of Christ, trusted in him for salvation and followed through with baptism, repenting of your sin, repenting of your ways and turning to Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity to respond today. I checked the water this morning. It's warm. We, we, We can take care of that. What a beautiful picture we have in baptism of that death 
of that old way of life, death to the, the way of deceit and lies that we've been living in, coming up a new creation in Christ. And so if you have a decision to make about Jesus, we just need some prayer this morning. I'm going to be masked up and I'll be up to your right as we sing this song. I'd love to talk with you. Will you stand and sing with us?